and welcome to the Free Range Buffalo. Break free from the herd. Today, we're starting our new series, Speaking Buffalo. Episode 1, The Power of the Word. Joining me for this series is my good friend and partner, Michael Morris. Good day, Mike. Hello, Hello Bryce. How does the world find you? Finds me very well. How does the world find you today? Oh, I can't find me. I'm hiding in my basement. <laughs> Take that, COVID. Um, yeah, so I'm. I have to say, I'm really excited about this uh, this series. Uh, uh, this one that you uh, you had actually proposed this uh, a little while ago about uh, the power of language. You know, the speaking buffalo. I hope it's a fun one. Oh, I. Well. It's one of the things that we always talk about, and I, and, I, and I think it's one of the defining characteristics of of our podcast is what we're trying to do here, especially in the early days, is work diligently and as hard as we can to get a firm foundation of what it is to be living in our free Western society. What is it our most fundamental beliefs? that we can then, once we understand what our foundation is, it empowers us to defend it against all assaults. Um, and, you know, I think when you're empowered with that kind of knowledge, you can start you can start resting a bit easier um, when you're seeing some people taking it for granted, uh, institutions being taken for granted and such. So um, I'm really excited. There's nothing more foundational in a lot of ways than language um, and the power of word. So... Um, yeah, so one of the starting spots really is, you know, I think when, when we were talking about this is why, what is so important about the word? You know, uh, there's a myriad of different languages. Um, and what what is it about the word in as a concept? What we're trying to get to is the basis. You know, language, shared language is the basis of understanding. And to to have clear agreement in your in the language to, it actually provides one of the greatest miracles and is the quintessential element of civilization and that's to have the miracle of a dialogue to communicate an idea from one person to another to have ideas um, on the written word that can trans, uh, transmit through the ages you know so knowledge can exist past one generation, you know, and when you just stop for just one moment and think about that, that you can have a Mark one human baby. And as you educate them and develop them and you pour into them, they can have knowledge of thousands of years of human experience defined, refined and distilled into them. And it creates them one of the, you know, hopefully, ideally, you know, the goal is to make them one of the best possible, you know, versions of people you can have. And that's all based off the power of the word. And then the miracle of dialogue and communication is to challenge ideas and develop new ones. It's an absolute miracle to me. Well, and it's what we're trying to do right now is, is have a dialogue. It allows us to explore ideas through language. And the language helps us to define our world, to examine ideas, and to evolve as humans. As our language has evolved, I think so have we for the most part. 
Uh, absolutely. And I, I, I think when, when we were first talking about this, you know, we're okay. Well, how interesting can this be? But you know, when I was, when we were, when I was having this kind of these, these epiphany moments, you know, in my day, and I was thinking about this, you know, what, what words do we have? You know, there's this reciprocating relationship between the world that we have and the people that that are in them. So one of the one of the defining elements of any society is the labels that they give the world around them. You know, I, you, you can just, you know, one of those myths that you watch on uh, on Saturday morning cartoons is the caveman. He's looking up and he, a uh, tree, and he points to the tree. Or, or whenever there's a dialogue between two different tribes, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump around a bit because there's so many interesting different um, pictures on this. But if you... If you're familiar with the 13th Warrior, that Antonio Banderas movie from uh, late 90s, early 2000s, where he's an, an Arab and he and he, he gets um, shanghai uh and he's uh, by these Vikings and they're going on a voyage back to... Uh, and they're getting shanghai by Vikings. Okay. I recognize the misuse of word uh, pictures, which I guess speaks to the lack of my command of language. <laughs> kind of mis abusing my own point here but with it like a great movie actually yeah so yeah so within that he's uh he's catapulted on this adventure with these uh this band of vikings and they're all speaking in their language and they did this really neat Mm. scene where just by observing and listening and saying the same stories over and over again he learns their language and then in the in the moment he all of a sudden can speak their language and then for the rest of the movie, it's of course in English. There's no subtitles anymore um, because of the we're all now speaking the same language. Um, but within that, there's also so the humans within it, the society. It's it's labeling these the world around them. But there's all when I say there's a reciprocating relationship, the world itself um, demands or puts pressure on people to for different labels. You know. The Inuit themselves have fifty five zero words for the word snow. Now, in in English, for the Canucks who live in snow, you know nine eight to nine months out of the year, you know we have a couple. We have snow, we have blizzard, we have slush, we have sleet, um, mm-hmm. ice. That's not really it, but that's about it. We got maybe five. The Inuit have fifty, and then I, you know if you go a little bit further, just to show how the there's an impact on language. I think the Americans, there was a, a joke I heard where they have 13 words for s- sandwiches, like hoagie <laughs> and submarine. <laughs> so you define, so words, you have to have different words to describe things that are, you know, are around you in a more and more precise manner. Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think it shows the utility of words and how precise it could be. Mm. Uh, your point, a, a tropical person has no use for the 40th word that the Inuit use for snow because they just see it as snow. Right. Uh, but there's a, there's a utility for the Inuit by being able to define this variety of snow with that type of word. Yeah. Um, it's almost, and, and it's like the American sandwiches. If, uh, if you had a hoagie, if I knew what that is, I know exactly what that is. But if I had never heard of what a hoagie is, you would say, oh, well, it's a sandwich. And then I would have a rough concept. So they, they allow us to be uh, precise, 
but it also allows us to sort of go to a higher level where there's a, a level of understanding mm. um, for people that um, that don't necessarily have the same knowledge. Absolutely, and I, and and I think it's sometimes really good to be reminded um, about how uh, important our culture, um, the the um, the the foundational elements of our society are really formed up around words and around language. And as, as we've done before, and we're going to do it again, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Jordan Peterson and he has, a, he, he did a whole series on, um, on, on the Bible. Um, and, and that, that whole analysis has permeated uh, into a lot of his, uh, his speaks uh, speeches. So I'm going to give an, uh, a clip from his, um, he, he was in Regina last uh, February when he was doing a, his series on um, his 12 steps uh, for uh, ordering chaos and uh, or 12 rules. Sorry, I don't want to misplug Jordan Peterson. Um, I just want to play a quick clip, and uh, I think that can show exactly what I'm talking about, about the, the, the absolute foundational power of words in, in our culture. You know, one of the central doctrines of our civilization, Western civilization, is that there's something divine about the word, right? I mean, if you look at that from a Christian perspective, from the Christian symbolic perspective, for example, the Christians assigned divinity to the word made flesh. And that actually means something psychologically, right? It means that it means that there's something divine about proper speech. It means that there's something divine about proper speech. You know, this, this isn't necessarily how we speak about, I mean, we, we live in a secular age, so we don't find many things that are, div, we don't speak of the divine, of, of things that are sacred, of things that are, are other than our, our, our daily life. I mean, we, with um, the triumph of, the sci, of science and reason over the superstition and mystical. However, I think there's something lost in our our understanding of our own culture when we don't give that kind of space for the sacred, for the uh, for something that is precious and 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 incorruptible. So what 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 uh, Dr. Peterson is referring to is the creation stories uh, found within Judaism and then subsequently added onto within Christianity, and the story of of Genesis of how over the six days. Unlike a, a lot of other uh, creation myths, uh, the creation story found within the uh, Torah and within the Bible has God speaking uh, yeah. creation. He he says speaking the uh, the world into existence and and the universe. It's it's a nonviolent act, and it's the foundation to which everything is written on. I mean, you, you can see it. So the uh, Judaism just has valued. You know uh, their word. You know the 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 Torah. The, it's treated as a sacred text. You know Moses coming down with the stone tablets of the ten rules uh, that are are that are the foundational rules to uh, to divine or to, to drive and regulate their society. And Christianity then expands upon it in a very beautifully poetic way um, in uh, in the Book of John and how the not just how the word is made flesh. So they refer to, to, to Jesus Christ before he was made incarnate um, as the word. And when they, when, so 
they're referring back to the creation story and how uh, in the beginning was the word and all of creation was made through the word. So God is not only just the, the, the speaker, but he is also the word being spoken. And through that word being spoken, creation is manifested. It's very po- poetic and very deep. I mean, you can just sit and think about that. Even for the non, even for the secularists, uh, the atheists, that that concept of the word being a foundationally divine thing and that, that you can rest your hat upon it. This is what we rest everything on because even from an abstract point of view, it's true because our entire society is founded on a word. Yeah, I think that uh, kind of the 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 word made flesh is, was an interesting thing for me that I never really put together. Kind of for me was about um, it reminded me of the of the phrase "actions speak louder than words." And what what I mean by that is that God said that this would happen, and then it did. And and we always attribute more value to uh, times that that people do action is mm. is more highly valued than word, but. But you have to say it to define it, and so he defined what was going to happen by by the word, and we define the world um, and what's in it by the language that we use. I think mm. if we use um, positive language, there's that quote: um, uh, "Be careful of your thoughts; thoughts become words; words become actions," etc. Mm. And I I think that's true even in of your point uh, because it it manifests itself as such. And the words we use to define the world, we can use very different words to define the same thing and, uh, and then come to very different meanings. You, you or I could use different words um, that are in subjective realms. Yeah. Um, you know, a microphone's a microphone, but how we feel about it might be different, um, or we could even describe it using different words. And, and the meaning, therefore, is entirely different. Well, it's, I love that, you know, because what we're, what we're doing is we're, the whole basis, we're, we're flipping on the head that expression, talk is cheap, and, and I, that, that everything is proven in action. But in, in reality, you can't get away from the power of the, uh, of the word because I think one of, the, one of the best things that kind of crystallizes in my head is the power of articulation. And I don't mean, mm-hmm. you know, elocution. I don't mean how you pronunciate words. I actually mean the, the ability to grab an idea out of your head, uh, whether you think in uh, images or you think in words, but to grab a concept and to put it into proper speech to articulate it. Once you can articulate something, and you can look at it through two different lenses of the same problem. One is like Jordan Peterson talks about, which is, the, which is from individual psychology. When you can articulate something that's going on within your own mind, within your own ego, uh, in the id, you know, within your own psychology, it gives you power over it. Like one of the reasons why in psychology talk therapy works is because you're trying to get that person sitting in that room to being able to finally articulate what is going on inside their head, and then once they can, they'll find that the problem isn't as bad because all it can be defined. It's articulated. Oh, would you say? that the power to define gives you dominion over what is being defined? Oh, dominion. That's a, that's a powerful word. 
per, perhaps maybe maybe that is what it is. Maybe just the by by maybe there's like a monster in the closet, right? Or you know the the monsters under the bed when you're when you're when you're a kid, or or, or when the lights are dark and your imagination fills it. I mean, even even a grown man, you, something goes bump in the night, the wife gives you the nudge, get out of bed, go check it out. You're like, oh, sweet Lord. And your mind will project into it. It doesn't matter if you're a six foot two, 220 um, running back, you still have that, that little bit of fear in the back head where your mind projects into the darkness, your worst fears. So on the psychological point of view, when, when you're in your own head and you have these things and you're trying to, and then all of a sudden you can articulate it, it's no longer an unknown. It's no longer the darkness. You've turned on the lights. Mm. So maybe mm. within that, that is a certain amount of dominion because you, you are expanding the realm of your known. And, and, and the more you are in knowing of that you have, it's, it doesn't fill you with terror. So that's from the individual psychology point of view, when you're looking from the ground up and what's manifested in every person. And then from the ground, from something we we've looked at, is on from a from, from a societal point of view, where the power of language can gra- can grab collections of people together and unify them to a single purpose. You know that's our entire shoulders of giants series, where we are trying to find the greatest people ever who have ever written anything ama- amazing, or um, for this medium who've said it out loud and articulated something brilliant where they unify people to a, a great purpose, potentially a horribly, a horribly great purpose, but a purpose that is great beyond anything that anyone could have imagined prior. And that is the power of words. It just gobsmacks me. Well, it is very powerful. And we can see that evidence by the fact that um, our oral traditions, how we pass lessons down throughout history. Mm. Uh, we would use stories and, yeah. and myths and, um, and, and different fables in order to teach generations and to teach others um, maybe how to live life, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, what, what to strive for. Um, there, there's various, various things. Uh, I think I, what's also interesting is, is that I've been thinking a lot about this and that, um, you know, we have, we have heroes in these stories and often I think the stories or the heroes that resonate with us when we're younger tend to help us help shape our identities because Mm. we, we want to emulate the positive traits that they, that Mm. they display in these stories. And, um, through those stories, it's a way for us to learn about these traits and then therefore uh, find value in them. Oh, you know, it's that's something I've actually been doing some of my own uh, looking at. So the whole concept of archetypes, these these foundational core... The arch- uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, these are these archetypes. We use the word archetype to, to actually say these are the core human experiences and they're they're almost not they're hard baked into our stories um there's a, an amazing book uh by a guy named joseph campbell hero of a thousand uh masks or mm-hmm. thousand the, the monomyth right? yeah yeah the monomyth how each culture you know adds in and ties in but the, and, and is a derivative thereof um mind-blowing concept and is the basis of some of the greatest um books and is um, 
some of the greatest movies, um, was a huge influencer on Star Wars, uh, the, fir- yeah. the, the first three, four, five, and six. And you Indiana can see, Jones as well, Indiana right? Jones, the whole, the hero's journey, um, that mm-hmm. whole concept. But because the reason it resonates, even Harry Potter, you can see it, how in every Marvel movie. Homer, had, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, it was and, and, throughout history, yeah, everywhere. Homer's Iliad, uh, Virgil's Aeneid, Shakespeare, they, they all have these aspects and, and, and the reason why you love them and you keep going back to them is because it reveals a fundamental truth and that it's the archetypes. As a matter of fact, you can take a look at that and then go back into your own life and say, what role am I playing? I mean, it goes back to what Shakespeare said. I mean, here's a man, you know, 500 years in the past, his words are still re- revered to with almost the same awe as uh the, the Bible for Christians, for those who are in love with the English language. And Shakespeare said, a whole world is a stage. And in the view of archetypes, you can actually say, well, what role am I playing here? Am I the hero? Am I the shapeshifter? Am, you know, am, am I the, um, the wizard? Am I the mentor? You know, the, the, the one who drives it forward. I can take a look at, 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 at in, in my story, you know, and at times where I've been the hero, Others times where I've been the villain, I mean, to my great shame, I've been the villain in other people's stories and went, oh my, I mean, to which to anyone who's, who's listening, who I've, hey, I've played the villain, I'm sorry. To, uh, to see that. Yeah. To be able to see that. Well, I think if everyone's really honest with themselves, everyone's played a role al- along the way. And though, and if if you're not honest that you've ever been the villain, I don't think you're really being honest yet. I mean, it's just it's just part of the human experience. We try not. You should always inspire not to be. But yeah, it's really. But, and that's fair. I, I think what's interesting about your archetypes, because I was going to bring this up too, is that mm. we've had we've had um, some very similar ones throughout, like we've said, throughout history. Mm-hmm. Not only throughout history, but throughout different cultures and different religions, there are. Yep. Uh, incredible parallels between uh, between the different um, traditions in, in any culture, mm-hmm. and I think what's important with that is that these archetypes have have stood the test of time for a reason. And I think that reason is what you said is that they do reveal fundamental truths. What concerns me, and I think what we're going to address maybe in, in later uh, episodes about spoken buffalo is how we are abandoning some of these archetypes mm. and uh, and replacing them with with other things now and and I will address that later on but I think these archetypes are uh, are an amazing thing uh, something that are common throughout uh, cultures all around the world and that speaks to the power of the word and how we're able to define these fundamental truths through that well that's it. yeah I'm I'm I have to say the when you just take that uh, one step back, you can get really, you realize how much of our experience is just defined by, by language. And when you start ripping it apart, um, how much of our culture is, if you don't appreciate it, you can have that power used against you. And if you can appreciate the power, you can use it as a very powerful tool, both as a personal tool for improvement vis-a-vis Jordan Peterson. If you ever, I can't plug him enough if you're ever looking at understanding how language matters to psychological revelation, um, but in even how politicians matter, uh, master it. So um, a bit of a preview uh, coming up. So uh, the next in the series, we're going to be taking a look at um, how language actually forms 
um, and channels thought. Um, and then we're going to be taking a look at uh, propaganda and even some of the, and getting into the, some of the dark side uh, later in the series of um, introducing of double speak, sowing confusion, and actually uh, forces who are deliberately trying to rip apart common language. Um, and then we'll tie everything back together with a nice so what. Um, but yeah. I'm looking forward to it, Bryce. This is an exciting subject. And uh, for those out there listening, please share. Uh, give us your feedback. Share with your friends. Subscribe. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. For all of us here at the Free Range Buffalo, roam free. And like Mike said, like and subscribe. <laughs>